is Al Jensen, and uh, today uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about John chapter 2 to chapter 4. But first of all, welcome to Seniors. Uh, we're getting people from all over the world. I was just looking the other day, and we have some people coming in from Africa and uh, New Zealand and Belgium and uh, up in Alaska and several throughout the United States, and we're growing. And I think the word's getting out. Our content seems to be getting better, and as a, as a in full, it's uh, starting to uh, come together. But uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about John. And uh, I think uh, of all the prophets, uh, apostles that Christ had, John was probably the most prolific writer. And uh, he, he was the one that um, stayed behind. Uh, he was the one that, that wrote the uh, book of Revelations. He was the uh, he was the one that seemed to be the most prophetic, and uh, at the at the marriage feast in Cana, Christ changed water into wine, and John called that the beginning of miracles, and uh, that was really the first miracle that Jesus performed publicly, and uh, why did he do that? And the question often come about, why did he do the water into wine? Why did he do it at a feast? Why did he do it at a, you know, uh, a, a gathering where there's lots of people? And part of that is, is that I think, number one, his apostles were there with him. They were invited to this feast, and he wanted to show them, again, you know, the, the capability, the power that he has and and in a way that uh, was some way that they could fully understand and and apply in this situation and the magnitude of this miracle wasn't something where it was affecting one person the magnitude was it was affecting probably hundreds of people or maybe not that many but as many people were attending this feast and this is the first one that jesus performed and uh he later talks a little bit about um, being born again. If you look into John 3, 7, and as he was talking to Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus, as Nicodemus came to him, he said, uh, Nicodemus, you, you must be born again to be able to, to follow in my path, to be one of my disciples. And Nicodemus goes, well, what? I don't get it. What do you mean being born again? And he says, you must, uh, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. And Nicodemus didn't quite understand because he thought, well, how could I enter back into my mother's womb to be born again? No, Jesus says, the best path is to follow me by being born again. Well, what does that mean? Well, when I served a mission in Kentucky and Tennessee, one of the things that we found there is that people would tell us that they've been born again all the time. And uh, they, in a sense, considered that um, fully coming into Christ, fully being a, a indoctrinated into his kingdom, fully making the covenant and the commitment that they need to. And to them, it was, it was a one-time occurrence. It was a time when, you know, they felt the strong visitation, a time when they were, were highly spiritual or whatever. And it was a one-time occurrence. And Jesus, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you know, you need to be born again, Nicodemus. And in, in turn, not only do you need to be born again, but you need to be born again and again and again. 
And uh, I don't think Nicodemus had a clue as to the importance and the reason that the Savior says that, and that he indeed would die on the cross and he indeed would be atoned for the sins of the world. And he indeed would be baptized and receive the Holy, Holy Ghost. And Nicodemus didn't quite understand that that's what's required, you know, to, to be born again. And so that whole phrase, that whole part of, of Christianity is an interesting one because it's so in, misinterpreted at times and it's so confusing at times. But I think the best way I can explain it is is that every week where we partake of the sacrament, in a sense, we are born renewed and born again. That the Savior recognizes the need for us to be on a path of perfection. And that the one way to do that is to commit to Him through the worthy partaking of the sacrament that we indeed are prepared to follow Him and keep his and keep his commandments. And so born again is is a process. It's not a one-time thing. It is a process and that heavenly father has provided that gift for all of us to to grow and become like him. Now, one of the things that God shows his love for us and it's uh, it's, it's a real consideration is that he has shown the ultimate love for us by giving us his son and uh, he God loves us with all his heart might mind and strength and he has shown that through the gift of his son and it is a gift it's something that that God didn't have to do that but his firstborn offers him up as a sacrifice. And let's compare that to Abraham, who was asked to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Um, fortunately, um, or fortunately for Abraham, he did not have to complete that. But for God, he did. And God had to complete that sacrifice. And watch his son nail to a cross and hang there until he was dead and then be resurrected and come back. But the whole process for God the Father as what he went through and probably the sorrow and grief that he felt as his honorable and obedient son went through all these trials and tribulations where no one should have had to do that. So the sacrament provides, as I mentioned earlier, a time to reflect on the love of God and his gift. And it helps us to feel that he is there and that he has provided this atonement for us. You know, one other thing that I learned in the mission field when I was in Kentucky, and there was a phrase that, or a scripture that basically said that uh, uh, God is a spirit. And if you think about that, um, a lot of people say, well, then he doesn't need to have a physical body. And thank heavens for Joseph Smith's translation of this verse for, it says, for unto such hath God promised his spirit. And in, a, in that context, it basically doesn't say he is a spirit, but has promised his spirit. 
And if we read in modern revelation, teaches that God has a body of flesh and bones. And that's what it has been through the eternities in all mankind. Now, Jesus, in John 4, 5 to 26, offers all of us to his living water. And uh, he told the Samaritan woman that she came. And Samaria at that time was an area that the Jews thought was substandard, that they couldn't associate with the Samaritans, that they were... Uh, a less than worthy, you know, group of people to deal with. And so Jesus was there and he sent the apostles off to Samaria to get some food. And uh, this, uh, this lady, the woman, was there at the well and the Savior asked for a drink of water. And she explained to him that in order to, that are you sure you want as a Jew that to ask a Samaritan for a drink of water? And Jesus basically said to him, well, I'm going to give you, her to give you more than water. And that what I will give you is the gospel. And, and that is the living water that nourishes our souls. So we can all drink the physical water and, uh, and, and relieve our thirst. But the Savior says, I give you living water. And he convinced the lady, the woman at the well, that that's indeed what he was there to do, was provide the living water for all of us. She rushed back to Samaria and told people back in Samaria. And when Christ got there back in Samaria, they, they, they recognized that as the woman told them, this is the man that told me about living waters. And they gathered together. And there he was able to preach to many and tell them about the importance of the living waters and that uh, what it what it can do for you. And so there's a lot more that we could cover in these areas, but I think some of the main points that uh, that we covered are are uh, are key. And let's just review quickly uh, a couple of things that uh, that I think that that we've learned here. Number one, Christ is the living water. He brings us again to the gospel, to his path, to his uh, understanding of his atonement and his life. And that he says to all of us, we need to be born again. And born again means to renew our covenant with Jesus Christ. And through the partaking of the sacrament, we are born again through him. And that he is not a spirit, but he's a being. And even though the scriptures say that he is a spirit, that's really a misinterpretation for Joseph Smith said that that same phrase is that God hath promised his spirit and that that's the spirit of Christ, not necessarily that he is a spiritual being. And finally, Christ offers us living water. That he told the Samaritan woman that whoever drinks of his water of his living water shall have eternal life. So this is a great chapter in John. I love John. And I think that as a whole, um, there are some very important points that we need to remember. Uh, study it, read it, go through and, uh, you know, become a part of uh, John 2 through 4 and understand the importance of being born again. And hopefully there's something there that you can take with you. Thanks for listening. This is Seniors. Uh, every week we'll probably have uh, some new scriptures that we'll talk about. 
send in your questions. Uh, also on the website now, we have a website. If somebody wants to, you know, listen over the internet, they can certainly do that by just typing in seniors, S-E-N-I-O-R-Z-Z-Z, and, uh, and tune into any of the episodes that we have. So again, thanks for listening and see you in the next week.